You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking With Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the Fan Sided Network. Today's episode is brought to us by the live NBA Draft Show. NBA Draft GOAT, Chad Ford, Locked On NBA Draft host, Raphael Barlow, and Locked On NBA host, John Krause, will be live this year in studio covering the NBA Draft. It's Locked On NBA Draft 2021, brought to you by Built Bar. Get local expert analysis on every single pick. Follow Locked On NBA on YouTube today. Follow our live coverage on July 29th. That's this Thursday, tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Eastern at 6 p.m. Central. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Happy Hump Day and happy NBA Draft Eve. Today, I want to get into a little bit of Timberwolves news here off the top, and then I want to I want to play a conversation or part of a conversation I had with Roger Galo. He's an, a shot expert um, and has his own shot basketball shot-making system, and we chatted for a while the other day. Um, fascinating conversation. He truly believes he has a, a better, more optimal way to shoot a basketball and has worked with a number of NBA players. So um, Kyle Anderson, Bradley Wanamaker, the two uh, current NBA players that are most notable, but plenty of other pros, uh, men and women, international players, WNBA, uh, uh, major division one college players. So Really, a really interesting conversation. He had some thoughts on shooting and today's game. Um, so I want to get to that conversation, play that here just a little bit. Uh, but we'll hit some Wolves news here off the top first. Before we get into all that, though, a reminder, as always, you can follow this podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. That, of course, includes Apple as well as Spotify, Google, and the all-new Odyssey app. That's Odyssey spelled A-U-D-A-C-Y. You can also follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnTWolves and at BBeacon with two Bs, two Es, CK. Ian. Okay, the only bit of Wolves news here off the top is that Darren Wolfson of KSCP and Score North is reporting that the Wolves are open to moving Jarrett Culver for a second round pick, something like that. I've said that for a while that I thought, my guess is they could probably squeeze two second rounders out of somebody. Um, Maybe they're, you know, maybe they find an expiring. Obviously, the goal here is to create some cap space prior to free agency opening here in a few days. But maybe they're able to bring back an expiring deal or something like that, a player who could be a fringe rotation guy, some shooting, somebody else who could be an adequate defender and a second rounder. Maybe it's a pair of second rounders. But he's just him reporting that the Wolves are open to trading him is, is really not all that surprising. I, I think that they should be. Um, it will obviously be Gerson Rosas admitting that he made a mistake in his first first move, not just first major move, first move in charge of the Wolves, which was just over two years ago. And of course, that was draft night trading up from 11 to six, trading Dario Saric to get up to number six and take uh, take um, take Culver, whereas the Suns ended up with Cam Johnson, who of course has now helped them get all the way to the NBA Finals. But Rosas would be would be kind of, uh, you know, closing off that deal, saying he's done with it, saying he made a mistake, but um, that's, that's the next best thing you could do, right? After, you know, the best thing you could do is not make the mistake. The second best thing you could do is, is understand the mistake you've made and not compound it by hanging on to a guy or, you know, trying to force the Timberwolves, trying to force Chris Finch to play Jarrett Culver, you know, to, to figure this thing out. Obviously at this stage, Culver is still an adequate defender and he can guard multiple positions, but offensively he's completely lost. And there's certainly still upside there. And actually I talk about Culver a bit with Roger Galo here later in our conversation. I, I think I'll probably play that part. Um, I'll save that part for another show, uh, probably on Thursday. 
but we got into Culver's shot and the issues he's had. I mean, he doesn't he doesn't look good at the free throw line either. He was below fifty percent as a rookie, and and one of the things I talk about with Roger is 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 why players have a different shot motion at the free throw line versus the perimeter, right? Your shot motion should be the same from everywhere. Well, Jared Culver's is, it's just not pretty, right? He's got a hitch in his shot. He's got confidence issues at this point. He's, it's disappointing. I mean, he's a super, super athletic player and apparently works very hard, uh, but hasn't been able to get the offensive game to click at the NBA level. And he was so good at Texas tech, but at this point, if the wolves are willing to move him for, you know, a, a relatively modest return, that's probably the move. Um, and it's significant that they're, that they're apparently open to doing so according to Doogie, but it's not a surprise that they're willing to do so. That note was from his podcast, by the way, the scoop podcast with with Doogie Wilson. Um, So be sure to go check that out. And of course we'll keep an eye on that. It's entirely possible the Wolves could get involved in some, in some trade conversations here in the next day or so. I mean, we're 36 hours roughly from the draft as of this recording. Um, So yeah, I mean, I mean, things are going to, Things are going to get out are going to be out there the next couple of days. One, I guess, one other thing is is Brian Windhorst just in the course of a long article on ESPN Plus, which of course requires a subscription on ESPN. He the whole article is about point guards, so he listed like what feels like every point guard in the league and the likelihood that they could be traded or where they might go in free agency. Literally, the last name he mentions towards the end of of a you know a few hundred word article. It's not just like a blurb or a tweet or anything. He mentions. Uh, Ricky Rubio and Colin Sexton in the same breath, of course, Sexton of the Cavaliers, as, quote, among those who so far have been floated on the trade market. So take that for what it's worth. I don't think that's a real rumor. Of course, of course, they're being floated on the trade market. Rubio's an expiring contract. We know teams wanted him at the deadline. He was the name that, you know, the Clippers and the Mavs looked at back at the trade deadline in March. So we know the teams are interested in Rubio. We know the Wolves are going to be open to moving him. They've got D'Angelo Russell. The Russell-Rubio fit wasn't perfect last year. Um, Rubio's got some trade value. So that's not a surprise. I don't really take that as a real rumor or a, or a surprise at all. Um, but there's that. All right, let's get into the conversation I had with Roger Galo. Again, rogergalo.com, the Galo basketball shot making system. He has an impressive list of notable players he's he's trained with. That includes Brad Wanamaker, of course, of the, uh, uh, of well, I guess several teams now um, in the NBA, longtime FIBA player, but in the NBA the last couple of years. Kyle Anderson, of course, um, longtime Spurring Grizzlies player. And then a long list of FIBA players, uh, Harlem Globetrotters, players that are on pro teams playing in the Olympics right now, uh, WNBA players, lots of Division One athletes. Um, Roger himself was an accomplished player back in the uh, late 70s, early 80s. He was a, a four-year starter at Juniata College, which is a Division Three school in Pennsylvania, is is still the team's second leading scorer in history, had a 50-point game, which is still their, their single-game scoring record. Um, had 20 free throws in the game, which is a record as well. Set school record for points and scoring average as a senior um, or or set school records in a season for points and scoring average. That was during his senior year. And again, was third in the nation in scoring that year. So impressive credentials and obviously a great shooter. The free throw shooting percentage and overall career shooting percentages are off the charts. So Roger knows a little bit about shooting. He's worked with some big names and uh, he has some thoughts on shooting in today's NBA. I thought it was would be an interesting conversation. And it was, um, we do get into a little bit of Timberwolves. I'm going to play most of that likely on Thursday's show, but let's get into the first part of the conversation that I had with Roger Galo. Before we do all that though, we do have to talk about our fantastic friends over at Built Bar. By the way, Built Bar is, is presenting the live NBA draft show on Thursday night. 
Built Bar is fantastic. It's the best tasting protein bar of all time. It tastes exactly like a candy bar. If you think you know what a protein bar tastes like, but haven't had Built Bar, um, well, you may have been right up until this point, but you have to try Built Bar because I promise you won't go back to whatever other protein bar you've been eating. You can get a mixed box of flavors and and there's tons of good ones. Raspberry, I just had raspberry for the first time the other day, by the way, and it's amazing. Mint brownie and uh, cookies and cream have been two of my favorites for a long time. Cherry barcia is delicious, obviously coconut. Um, but you can get a mix box, two of each of the nine flavors and check out the macros. They're genuinely healthy, 17 to 18 grams of protein calories ranging from only 130 to 180 calories per bar, just four to five grams of sugar and four to five grams net carbs, all amazing flavors. They're all delicious and healthy. And also built bar is the official protein bar of the U S track and field team. Go to built.com use promo code lock 15. You'll get 15% off your order. That's promo code lock 15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. All right, without further ado, let's get into my conversation. The first part of my conversation with shooting coach Roger Galo. All right, I'm joined today by Roger Galo, the creator of the Roger Galo shot making system. And uh, we've chatted a little bit and I wanted to have him on to talk obviously a little bit about his shot making system, but also the Timberwolves specifically, obviously the Olympics just started. So there's lots of basketball to talk about. The draft is this week. Um, and Roger's worked with a number of, I'll let him list off some credentials as well, but he's worked with a number of high profile collegiate players and some NBA players, including Kyle Anderson. Um, and uh, so excited to have him on. Thanks for coming on, Roger. Thank you very much for having me, Ben. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, so the Olympics just started. Um, I don't know if you've worked with any players that are in the Olympics or not, but is there anything in particular that, that you get excited about when it comes to FIBA and international basketball? Uh, the, fu- the fundamental part of the game that I, I get a chance to see that I don't see that often uh, coming through the style of play that we're watching and I've not had a lot of chance to watch yet, but typically that's what I get excited over. Uh, yeah. The other countries bringing what they're bringing, the level of development that they're demonstrating while they're playing. That's exciting. Yeah, and, and we'll... I- I suspect as we're talking about shooting and this is a Timberwolves podcast, we'll talk about Ricky Rubio here in a little bit, but he's the primary example of a player who's so much better in international play, partly because of the rules and the way it's officiated and partly because of the confidence I think he plays with at the international level. But uh, he's a different player. He was the FIBA World Cup MVP a couple of years ago and and had 20 and nine the other night in Spain's first game. So um, he's one example of a player that certainly thrives in FIBA competition. Related to to... Uh, to the to your shot making method overall, um, y- you know it's it's uh, unique. You're well known for it. Um, I guess give give the listeners kind of a, a quick you know 30, 60 second elevator pitch or or summary. I guess on on what it is that you're all about and what your shot making method is all about. It, it's really and thank you for giving me this opportunity, Ben. Uh, it's really um, a shot making system that is that has convinced me. Uh, to abandon my traditional shooting system that I had grown up on that made me a bit of a collegiate star and NBA prospect. Uh, I'm six feet short in NBA term in basketball terms and uh, not uniquely gifted athletically. So I had to be able to score and particularly shoot pretty effectively in order to gain that kind of attention. Uh, This technique is not because of 
what became popular. It's not based on that at all. Or somebody who had great success with some kind of a movement and we began copying it. This was an accidental journey I had no intention of going on that forced me to go into the universities and seek out answers about why we goosenecked the ball, why we were taught to go uh, to put our elbows under the basketball as we shot, why we came into our shot jump shots with with a very staggered stance. So uh, that led me to, to asking what why didn't we do that if it was if it proved to be superior? And that's what it was proving in this journey of mine, that it was it was showing and indicating a superiority in reliability, accuracy, speed. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, I never I don't think any of us in basketball really ever questioned what we were told to do when it came to developing your shot, including the, the repetition thing. You know, we got to get in there, and shoot 500 shots every day. Um, which is actually very damaging, can be very damaging. So that's, uh, that's what was consummated has been a uh, pr pretty much a, almost an entirely scientifically based shot making system based on biomechanics, kinesiology, physics, uh, the anatomy, how the body ought to move instead of the way we made it move to, to shoot. And, and that's, and that's fascinating. You've got an impressive list of, of players. And obviously you were a, a, a very, you have great credentials as a player yourself when you played. Uh, but a lot of names that fans would recognize people that you've worked with. Um, what, what, what's one player that you've worked with um, that you feel like you had the most rewarding experience? And maybe it's not a, a big name, but somebody that you feel like you had a really rewarding experience. They were really grateful for, for, you know, the difference that you helped make in their shot. Well, that's a great question for me to pick out one. That's, that's uh Oh, sure. I, I, I will limit you to one. You, you can pick reasons, more Ben, I'll try to answer that. There are different yeah. reasons why I have a, a couple different players in mind. Sure. Uh, Mark Zoller was a, a player that came to me his senior year, September, I believe it was his senior year from the Ivy league and uh, had been with a very famous, much more famous shooting coach who has been sh teaching shooting, coaching shooting, I should say uh, for decades in the area, in the Philadelphia area and didn't have much success with him. Uh, and he, in the shortest period of time that I could ever imagine uh, increased by almost 20% from the foul line alone in a number of hours um, his senior year, going from his junior to his senior year. Statistically, he also coincidentally became, I, I believe, the second best three-point shooting percentage uh, player in that Ivy League that year, his senior year, by virtue of, of the changes that wow. I had that he had accepted um mm -hmm. and we didn't we didn't have a great deal of time together but he got it grasped it uh embraced it and ran with it and and that stands out because um contrary to popular belief conventional wisdom that would not be an ideal time to begin to work with somebody right um, and and 
certainly realizing the limitations of time available period that goes against conventional wisdom you know it, it takes it could take years somebody like that my god it's too late there's some thinking out there that suggests it's too late you can't change change somebody's shot who's been at it that many years that quickly why would you even dare sure which and, and- to, which i'm sorry to interrupt you which speaks to some of the challenges inherent in the traditional system that we've all pretty much bought into for the last 50 or 60 years. Sure. And, and with somebody like Mark Zoller, I mean, uh, you know, that late stage making an adjustment like that, I mean, how, how long would you say, it obviously depends, I guess, on what the starting point is, but somebody like that, who's been doing something and, and as, as you mentioned, has been, has thousands and thousands of repetitions doing something one doing a you know having a shot motion or, or or shooting the ball in one specific way how long does that take to kind of tear down and rebuild a shot like that how long and and i guess it depends on how many hours per day you're working and, and all that but you know what kind of a process is that that can can that can be a hard question to answer because a lot of it is based upon that person's psyche that person's mindset, um, believe it or not, and I, I'm, I'm not trying to dodge the question in any way, but it, he was so open to it that in the five hours that we spent together, it, it, was, it was nothing short of pretty eye-opening for me. Um, based on what you've said, I mean, thousands and thousands, tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of reps mm-hmm. already embedded and uh, to, to get him away from that that quickly, it it, speak, it speaks very um, closely to the value in having him change from something that might not have been as biomechanically easy to repeat because of the anatomy, the way they come together, versus the way that he was told by basketball people that he ought to shoot like, and, and that was the same with me. I mean, I spent, <laughs> I, I've calculated about a, a mil, 1.4 million shot attempts over a very long period of time. And, uh, you know, was never fully satisfied with what, what numbers I had achieved statistically. I mean, I was third in the country as a small college ball player, but boy, I would have liked to have shot 58% from the field instead of 54 or 53, whatever it was. Uh, instead of 77, I'd like to shot 95 from the foul line. And I put the time in, but I, I didn't achieve those kinds of numbers. But now I, I, I exceed those kinds of numbers. <laughs> Before we get into some Timberwolves-specific talk, let's talk about rockauto.com. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers and makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why do often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have a computer with access to rockauto.com, both at home and in your pocket. You can save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? 
Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. The prices are reliably low for every single customer, and they have everything you could need, from brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution for your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. All right, let's get into some Wolves-centric conversation here with Roger Galo. So before we get into the Wolves, maybe a little more specifically, um, I, I know that free throw shooting is something that you talk a lot about. And in today's game, uh, it, well, I mean, obviously, shooting's always been important, obviously, but both long-range shooting and free throw shooting are becoming, it seems like, more and more important because players are taught to try it. You know, it's an art now to draw fouls, and we've obviously got several players, you know, most notably like Trey Young and James Harden and guys like that that know how to draw fouls and get to the free throw line, and, and they're both good free throw shooters. But um, free throw shooting is seemingly that much more important now in today's NBA, and there's fewer and fewer guys that are just terrible at it, it seems like, that get consistent minutes on good teams. Um, what have you seen about today's game in your mind that makes foul shooting that much more important? Well, the numbers alone of how many foul shots are now being attempted. I mean, you know that we've had what some teams in the last few years shoot maybe 40 something, 50 something as one team for in one game from the foul line. Um, that's a lot of foul shooting, uh, and, and it's highlighted by, or it's uh, exacerbated by some of the players who are become targeted people to foul, to send to the foul line, um, <laughs> which is which is what a good strategy. If he can't make foul shots, why right. not foul? Sure. Um, and, and we've seen that at work, obviously. But foul shooting. Even in Fauci, for the last 10 years, I've, I've become a big proponent of those two areas because they're the two easiest shots to impact. And with saying that, it might seem odd, it might seem counterintuitive, but the three ball and the free ball should be so closely related if they're mechanically similar in movements. In other words, a player, and, and this is what's interesting about the, the uh, Minnesota team, they've got a lot of shooters that aren't real good from the foul line, and they're not terrible from the three ball. They're not great, but they're not terrible. I mean, somebody who's shooting 60%, you, you wouldn't be shocked if they shot below 30%. They've got some of those, but they've got some that are shooting 37, 36, 35. That's not terrible understanding you're only that in the 60s as a foul shooter. So, but taking a three ball, can we agree on this, Ben? The foul shot is obviously the least uh, totally uncontested shot taken in a game. Sure. Everything stopped. Yeah. Well, my contention has been for 10 years, the second easiest, least contested shot is the three ball. Right. Uh, there's one defender. That's a primary right. defender out there. Yeah. I'm not well, going to tell most guys that you're talking about, even at the collegiate high school levels are probably going to be benched if they take a really contested three pointer. 
from 25 feet out. Right. Most coaches are going to pull that player out, but they're not. Now, yeah, they've got a defender in front of them, but he's crouched. He's in a defensive stance. He's trying to make sure that player doesn't drive around him also. And the player with the ball knows exactly when he's going to pull him, pull that trigger. And, and that's a, a unique, distinct advantage to, to be able to ha- have a shot where, you know what? I'm ready. I'm going to pull up and shoot. That guy doesn't have a lot of time to react. And so it's a pretty uncontested shot. Well, why such a big gap between three ball and free ball shooting? And, yeah. And, and my system, I, I mean, I'm sorry, I got to sound like I'm, I'm really peddling this, but my system seems to prove that that it doesn't have to be the way that we've come to accept it. That gap can be and should be considerably close. Uh, Mark Zoller, case in point, not only did his foul shooting increase that much, but he wasn't a three-point shooter. He became the second best three-point shooter in the Ivy League in September of his senior year. (laughs) Yeah. Well, in and you mentioned there's Timberwolves players who can shoot the the three point shot, but don't shoot it well from the free throw. And they've also got players. And, and by the way, your point about the second easiest shot theoretically being a wide open three is well taken. And there's a reason why there's so many guys now who've started taking that shot, and it's become more acceptable. As and a couple of the names I mentioned earlier, Harden and Trey Young, are two guys who have the green light from anywhere. And if you can make it from out there. You're right. It's uncontested. And, and why should it be that much harder than, say, an uncontested free throw? Obviously, it's further away. And so naturally, you're going to have a lower percentage. But should the gap be that wide, I think, is is the question that you're asking. And for the Wolves, I mean, a player like Ricky Rubio is a good example. He's a career. I don't have it in front of me, but over 80 percent from the free throw line. Uh, but career from the three-point line, he's 32, 33%. He's had a couple years where he was 37%. But for the most part, he's he's low to mid-30s in terms of three-point shooting percentage. And he's a player who all along, when he came over from Europe, everybody said from the time he was 17, 18, 19, oh, he's got scoring touch. He's always been an 80% foul line shooter. So you know he's got the upside to figure it out and shoot the ball better from the perimeter. And that hasn't really happened. He's improved incrementally, but... Um, he's not that much better now than he was five, six, seven years ago. And it's it's just interesting to me that that a player like that can be so good at the free throw line, but isn't a consistently above average open three-point shooter. Well, and, and with Rubio, and, and he's one of my favorite ball players, I, I love the way he approaches the game. He attacks it. And, and especially like you alluded to with regards to the, what he's doing in the Olympics, mm-hmm. playing in that that form, that that venue. I mean, he really is shining. But uh, yeah, is it? it uh, I'd love to work with somebody like that. Why? Because uh, there's, it's conceivable. It is absolutely conceivable. Where now that I'm 13 years into this journey, that he could be, he could be, a high 40s with little. Little effort, much change. Little effort, much change. And when I say much change, it it sounds like it. Whoa, that could be even scary. That could be. It, it could be. It's proven not to be for most of the people I've trained, because a lot of one change can be connected or trigger 
three or four ancillary movements. Meaning that if I change one thing, three or four other things are automatically addressed, corrected, mitigated. Mm -hmm. And that expedites the process. Um, but he has, he, he's a very good example of um, a lot of things that has been taught and reinforced that you ought to be doing. His staggered feet. Uh, well, well, everybody staggers their feet to shoot. Right-handed, they lead with their right foot. Right. Left-handers, they lead with their left foot. I was a right-hander. I, I led in, into my jump shot with my right foot. Well, how does that affect balance? Significantly, in a, in a detrimental way. Mm -hmm. And we talk about how valuable balance has been right. when it comes to basketball, but we don't connect it to that part of the shot. Sure. Why don't we? It's the beginning portion of the balance. You can't push off of both legs when they're staggered equally. So now you've got to regain balance when you could you have started more balanced? And that's some of what the biomechanics and the physics and the the other discoveries have, have shown me that yeah, there are ways to to establish that much more easily, to, to prove to be much more effective at correcting or increasing somebody's shot percentage. And Ru Ru yeah, Rubio, I was looking at his stats in preparation for this. He's almost an 87% foul shooter, mm -hmm. 87%. Yeah. And he's shooting 31, a little bit below 31 right now. And, and then how do you explain where, say three or four years ago, he shot 35, 37. Yeah. What happened? Yeah. But why does he teeter back and forth? Or anyone, I'm, I'm not just Ricky, but sure. anyone. Yeah. What? Look, Drew, Drew Holiday. Uh, mm -hmm. You mentioned Trey Young. God, not great shooters, but one game, days separated, a whole different game. One game, he's on. Another game, he's off. What really happens? Yeah. What, what happens to cause that? Well, and, and, the, and the basketball community response would be, well, you know, everybody's off. I mean, we all are off. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and Trey Young's actually an interesting one for me. I mean, he's obviously, uh, uh, you know, especially in the playoffs this year, really blossomed and turned into a star. And he averages, you know, last year when he was an all-star, he averaged almost 30 points a game and he shot – uh, you know, but it, it's not super efficient, right? I mean, he's, he no, can shoot from very deep and he, but this year he was only 34% from three. And I think we get uh, the basketball community, you know, gets kind of enamored with the fact that he can shoot from 33 feet and forgets the fact that he's only shooting 34% on threes when he's an 89% free throw shooter this year. And so why isn't he making more of those shots? Um, and also I think there's, if we dug into it a bit more, I think we'd see that he's taking a lot of really contested shots and he's actually pretty good when he's wide open and it's maybe more shot selection than it is his ability or lack of ability, I guess, to, to hit wide open 35 footers because we know he can do it. Um, but, but that's, I, mean, I think he's an interesting case because he obviously has great scoring touch. He's a fantastic free throw shooter and he can make wide open 33, 35 footers, but, uh, ultimately, or his, his, at the end of the day, his total shooting percentages aren't all that impressive. And, and if you, and th those are great points. And, um, 
if you looked at his shot, if you really broke down video of the shots, how contested they were, I, I would be able to make a very cogent argument that they're not really contested enough to alter his shot. That's He's interesting. Them because of the other parts involved in his shooting technique. His, his, his approach, his, is his right foot out further one, on one attempt than it is on an equivalent second attempt from an equivalent distance, maybe 10 degrees over to the right further than the last shot. How's he adjust for that? You, you know what this, this in, in engineering this technique, this form, I've come to the conclusion, and this is pretty bold, our basketball shooting system that we bought into for the last 50 or 60 years, the, the conventional traditional system, is, is nearly void of a bona fide aiming system. Except, and the only place it really exists, and it's limited, but it does exist, is that what we've already talked about, the foul line. That's the only place where a, a player can establish whatever aiming system he's bought into. All right, that's all for the conversation with Roger today. I'm going to play a little bit more, probably on Thursday's show. Um, we get into Jarrett Culver and Josh Okogie, of course, two young Timberwolves players who have showed some promise, certainly on defense, but have not been able to figure it out offensively, and especially Jarrett Culver, who seems to have uh, just kind of across the board a broken shot, whereas Okogie can be effective from the free throw line, et cetera. So I want to get Roger's thoughts on on the difference um, between those two guys and and is Akogi salvageable based on his percentages and, and his shot motion, et cetera. So we'll get into that conversation in part two. Um, certainly interesting that Roger has this entire system set up that he is, um, he is so passionate about and feels like fundamentally uh, shot mechanics have, have been off now for a number of years. So um, fascinating conversation. We'll get to the rest of it here later this week. Otherwise, that's all I have for you today here on the show. Uh, be sure to stay tuned the rest of the week. Of course, the NBA draft is is uh, excuse me Thursday night, um, and we've talked about the NBA live show, the NBA draft live show here on Locked On. Um, a reminder: today's show is brought to us by that fantastic show that I can't wait to watch on Thursday night. Unfortunately, unless the Timberwolves trade into the draft, I will not be part of it. Um, but who knows? Maybe there will be a blockbuster trade, and I will make an appearance um, via Zoom. But the NBA draft goat Chad Ford, Locked On NBA draft host Raphael Barlow, and Locked On NBA host John Krause will be live in studio. This year covering the NBA draft. It's Locked On NBA Draft 2021 brought to you by Built Bar. Get local expert analysis on every single pick. Follow Locked On NBA on YouTube today and watch our live coverage tomorrow night, July 29th at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central. Uh, so be sure that you are locked in and ready for that. Any Timberwolves draft related rumors obviously will be on top of always, uh, you know, we'll do an emergency podcast during the draft if anything were to happen, even if they traded to the second round. Anything. However minor it may seem, we'll do a podcast on it uh, Thursday leading into Friday. So um, we'll definitely be on, on top of all the draft coverage. And of course, the Olympics as well as of this recording. Team USA and Nigeria both played overnight. Uh, nothing really notable, though. Nigeria lost by seven to Germany and Germany hadn't won a game at the Olympics in a while. Um, I think it was 08 was the last time they won an Olympics game. Joshua Kogi actually went scoreless in this game. Uh, not a good performance from Nigeria. And they're now 0-2 and they're in a tough spot. Um, they were led by uh, 
Jordan Nwora, of course, of the Milwaukee Bucks was kind of a fringe rotation guy for them, but he scored 33 points on 20 shots in this game. Okogi uh, started, played 16 minutes, went scoreless, 0 of 2 shooting. He did have three assists and two steals. And then Team USA did beat Iran, um, and that was expected. They obviously needed to win that game, and they won easily. Um, what was the final? It was like 120, uh, 120 to 66 was the final. I have not watched the game. It happened while I was sleeping, uh, but they won by, what is that? 54 points. Um, and were led by 21 from Damian Lillard. Durant only played 20 minutes, but had 10 points. Jason Tatum had 14, Devin Booker had 16. Basically everyone was able to play in this game because it was over at, after the first quarter. So, um, the USA is now one and one. And the next up for team USA is going to be, uh, let's see here. It'll be um, the USA men's team will be Czech Republic, and that is a late Saturday game. Um, so we'll be on that over the weekend here. But Team USA is now one and one, and Nigeria is zero and two. Still waiting for Spain to play their second game, um, and we'll we'll uh, also Argentina um, and Leandro Bomaro. So we'll cover that as well. So stay tuned to the Olympics. Stay tuned to Locked On NBA for the live draft Thursday night, and uh, we'll have shows of course Thursday and Friday. Um, as well. So if you're not already following the podcast, please do so anywhere you listen to podcasts. That of course includes Apple as well as Spotify, Google, and the all new Odyssey app. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. That's all we have for today. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.